Well, welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. So glad that you're with us this morning as we conclude our series entitled The Shocking Statements of Jesus because Jesus said some pretty shocking things. Hate your parents. Love your enemies. Eat my flesh. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of the shocking statements of Jesus. Last week, we talked about shocking faith. Then there was shocking taxes, a shocking relationship. And this morning, we're talking about a shocking invitation. But before we enter into this morning's test, just want to take a, a quick poll here with a show of hands or just a simple nod of your head. Answer this question. Does anyone here like to be invited to a party? When you like to be a party, invited to a party, or maybe invited to someone's house, or maybe invited to a wedding, all of us enjoy invitations to parties, homes, or weddings. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to the White House. Now, it wasn't by President Barack Obama, but a, a friend of my sister invited us to have a tour of the West Wing of the White House. Now, you may not know this, but in order to have a West Wing tour, someone that currently works in the White House must invite you on a tour. And so my sister's friend works in the White House, and she invited us for a tour of the West Wing. Here we are, my family and I, just outside the White House, the West Wing. We were there just last week. And right through those doors, you'll see to the right, you'll go past the Situation Room. And then we walked past there and we saw the dining room. And we went past the dining room. We walked through the, the press room a little bit further away. We saw the, the press room. It was actually FDR's um, bathe, his pool at one point. Now it's the press room. But we walked down the hallways and we saw photos and statues of previous administrations and work that our president has done. And it was an awesome tour. I stood in between the Roosevelt Room and the Oval Office. Each president has a chance to decorate the Oval Office as he wishes, he or she wishes. And he created his, his own rug, and then he had different paintings. And then you could see the president's desk, which was a former ship from England. Now they made it into a desk. And then if you look just outside where his desk is, straight ahead are two statues, the heads, the bust of Abraham Lincoln, President Lincoln, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And every time our president goes to work at his desk, there are two sets of eyes looking at him, doing his work. It was phenomenal. Later on, we went to the Blue Room. The Blue Room is where the president welcomes dignitaries. The day before we got there, it was the Boston Red Sox, and the day after, it was all the Winter Olympians. But he stands and welcomes dignitaries or special events. And we were in that room, in the Blue Room, and a social or a, a Secret Service says, "Hey, you may not want to miss this. Miss this. Look outside the window." And there was Marine One, the helicopter, the three helicopters coming in, and then landing on the White House lawn. And then about ten minutes later. President Obama and his entourage walked and entered into Marine One, and then they flew off to the airport to go on with the rest of his day. It was a phenomenal tour of the White House that my family and I was able to go on because we received an invitation. And all of us enjoy 
invitations to a party or a home or a wedding. We enjoy invitations, and there's something about receiving an invitation that solicits love and honor. Most of us enjoy invitations to all sorts of events, even to church. Love for you to check out this video of a guy inviting his neighbor to church. like every week but would you like to ride the church with me oh come on mrs edwards you'll like my church we have some hot music it may not be what you're bumping at all but it's hot we get down what do you say mrs edwards oh i suppose I've heard it said that 80% of first-time church visitors come because someone personally invited them. All people need to feel loved and wanted, and for some people, it just takes having someone offer to give them a ride to church. We have something great going on at this church. People's lives are being transformed by God's love. Your homework this week is to find at least one person who could use a little more of that love and invite them to come with you next week. Trust me, it's worth the extra effort. Mrs. Edwards, you want to listen to some music on the way? Go ahead, your choice. Okay, here we are. Don't forget to invite somebody to church next week because invitations are a sense of honor. They're a sense of love. An invitation anticipates what the experience will be when you get there. And Jesus gave a shocking invitation to a group of people that wanted to follow him. While talking to a group of people that wanted to follow him, Jesus did not say, come follow me and I will make you happy. Or come follow me and I will make you wealthy. Jesus did not say, come follow me and I'll give you a ticket to heaven. Jesus did not say any of those things. When a group of people wanted to follow Jesus, he said, come follow me and die. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter 12, verse 20, page 1065 in your pew Bibles. The words will also be on the screen, but in it you'll find another shocking statement of Jesus. We've already heard about a shocking relationship and shocking taxes, shocking faith. And today we read a shocking invitation to all of us that desire and want to follow Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 20, we read the following. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, We'd like to see Jesus. We'd like to 
meet Jesus. And Philip went up to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip turned and told Jesus, we want to see Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We heard about the triumphal entry. We understood that he raised Lazarus from the dead. And we've come to this feast and we want to see, be close and follow Jesus. And then Jesus said these words, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come. My time is running out. It's time for me to leave. And then Jesus says these shocking words to a group of people that want to follow him. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Notice Jesus did not say, follow me, I'll make you a better person. Or follow me, I'll give you a ticket to heaven. He says, follow me and die unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man, the woman, the youth, the person who loves his life will lose it, and the man who hates his life in this world will keep it. Now, this is not your typical recruitment speech. I mean, this is not what we learn about on how to make friends and influence people. I mean, this is not how a movement begins. But this is what Jesus said. Come follow me and die. And Jesus said these words all the time. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose his life for me will find it. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, Jesus said, cannot be my disciple. Jesus invites his followers to come and die. It's pretty hard. It's kind of harsh. It's even shocking. One commentator wrote, if anyone tells you that you can be born again, that you can be enlightened, saved, and going to heaven, and does not speak to you very honestly about dying, do not believe that person. There's no renewal in all of nature without preceding loss. There's no life without death. There's no spring without Winter. There's no renewal in all of nature without preceding loss. When I was in college, I took a, a class entitled The Life and Teachings of Jesus. It was this phenomenal class about all that Jesus taught and did. And I remember the professor summarizing the teachings of Jesus this way. He said, the doorway to life in Christ is death. The doorway to life is death. Because there's something about death that leads to life. There's no renewal without loss. There's no spring without winter. There's no resurrection without a crucifixion. The doorway to life is death. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will never come to life. But most of us don't like to talk about death. Most of us avoid the topic. We feel uncomfortable. We fumble our words when we talk about 
death a number of years ago, my children and I attended a local carnival where we won four live goldfish. Maybe you've seen this at a carnival where you get a, a ping pong ball and you have to toss the ping pong ball into a fish bowl and then you win the fish. So my kids were pretty excited because my young kids each won a goldfish, their first pet. And we brought the goldfish back home and we put them in some new tanks and they were very excited. And then we continued to name our fish. And one of them uh, named the, the fish Goldie. You know, it was a goldfish. And another one named their fish uh, Fishy. The creative kids that I have here. And then one of them, my youngest daughter, we just had a, a visit from a family member, some family members, and, and, and she decided to name her fish after one of her favorite family members, Aunt Mary. So there's Goldie and Fishy, and then there's Aunt Mary. And after the, the, the kids named their fish, and they set up their tanks, they're really excited. They went up to bed, and they went to sleep, and they come down the next morning excited to see their first pets, excited to, 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 to feed their fish. And to their dismay, three of the four fish died. And one of them was Aunt Mary. And I had to explain to my youngest daughter, who was sobbing, just tears running down her cheeks, mourning at the loss of Aunt Mary, that Aunt Mary lived a good life and that we all loved Aunt Mary and that it's hard to say goodbye. And then we flushed Aunt Mary down the toilet. (laughs) But it's hard to talk about death, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to talk about. We fumble, we stumble, we even joke about it, but it's hard for us to talk about death. We avoid it at all costs, but Jesus talked about death death all the time. He repeatedly told his disciples about his suffering and his death, and he often invited his followers to come and die. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus also said, if anyone comes after me, or if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. See, there's at least two understandings of death in the New Testament. The first one we looked at a couple weeks ago, this very passage, hating your parents. And we learned that the cross represents our sin. That it's our sin that we carry with us up the hill to Jesus. That we carry our cross, the weight of our sin to Jesus up the hill, and we place our sin upon Jesus. And that's how we become his disciple. Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, we don't have to die. We don't have to experience eternal separation from God. Because Jesus died for our sins, we don't have to die. Not because of what we've done or didn't do, but because of what Jesus did for us. We don't have to die. Jesus' death sets us free from the consequences of our sin, eternal separation from God. Because Jesus died, we don't have to. But Jesus also said this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me 
will save us. See, there's a second understanding of death. And according to Jesus, we must die. Not for the consequences of our sin, eternal separation from God. We must die to self. Because the doorway to life is still death. There's no renewal without loss. There's no resurrection without a crucifixion. In order to live, we must die. Jesus didn't just die so that we wouldn't have to die. Jesus died so we wouldn't be afraid to die. Jesus didn't just die so we wouldn't have to die. Jesus died so we wouldn't be afraid of death, so we could talk about death, so we could think about death, so we could look at areas in our life that need to die daily so that we might live. That's why Jesus said this shocking statement, come and die. Not to shock us away from God, like sticking a fork in an outlet where you repel back, but to draw us to God and resurrect us so that we might live. I recently read the book Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. I recommend the book on many levels. It's a fantastic read, but the premise of the book matches the title, Necessary Endings. That there are areas in our lives that must die, that must end in order for us to really live. We must have the courage to end things in our lives that are killing us in order for us to live. I was recently talking to a friend about a necessary ending in his life. He's been in this long-term relationship with his girlfriend, and he loves his girlfriend, and they love each other. They're, they're compatible in so many ways. They enjoy working together and, and doing things together and all sorts of wonderful connections, but they're not connected spiritually. She's not a follower of Jesus. And he's coming to this point of realization where he must die. There's this necessary ending in his life so that he can live. Another friend confessed that he's struggling with this repeated sin in his life, that, that he can't seem to get over it. He's powerless to overcome the sexual temptation in his life. And he says, it's killing me. He has to die in that area of his life in order to live. Another friend was talking about his job, and he confessed how his job is just so overwhelming. He can't fall asleep at night. He can barely get up in the morning. It's just killing him that there's this necessary ending in his life that must die in order for him to live. And all around us, in every one of our lives, there are places in our lives that must die in order for us to live. But all too often, we don't have the courage to make those necessary endings. But Jesus didn't just die so we wouldn't have to. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to be afraid of death. Have you ever heard that phrase, I've come to the end of my rope? I've come to the end of my rope, meaning I can't take it any longer. 
The, the stress is too much. My schedule's too overwhelming. The, the kids are driving me crazy. The stuff happening at work, my marriage, my kids, my parenting. The, I've come to the end of my rope. At some point in our lives, all of us come to the end of our rope. And what are we supposed to do? When we get to the end of our rope, do we just cling a little tighter? No, do we try to climb up the rope? Do we, do we jump to another rope? Do we try to yank down the rope? What do we do when we come to the end of our rope? Do we try to fight it or do we let go of the rope? A mentor friend of mine told me about a time when he was dying. He wasn't dying physically. He was dying emotionally, relationally, spiritually. He was a, a pastor of a church, and the church was doing well, but inside, his life was a mess. His emotions were a mess. His marriage was a mess, and he was coming to the end of the rope, the end of himself, and during a counseling session with his wife, and his wife told him how poorly he was loving her, and he said he felt incredible pain as if he was dying. But then he admitted his mistakes. He asked for forgiveness. And like an alcoholic that hits bottom and admits powerlessness, he came to the end of himself. And he let go. He even quoted the early church fathers that said this, all great spirituality is about letting go. It's about letting go of the need to be in control. It's about letting go of the areas in your life that you can't seem to overcome. It's about letting go of the areas of your life that you want to control, but you know that you're just making a mess of your life. It's about letting go of the need to be right, letting go of the need to defend your image. And as my friend let go, he died to self, and he started to live. And that's why Jesus said these shocking words to a group of people that want to follow him because there's something about death that leads to life. There's no renewal without loss. There's no resurrection without a crucifixion. The doorway to life is death unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It will never come to life. Jesus just didn't die on the cross to keep us from death. He died on the cross and rose from the grave so we wouldn't have to be afraid to die. So that we can talk about death, so that we can think about death, so we can ask one another, what areas in your life need to die? So we can look inside and say, what are the areas in my life that need to die today? You know, when we do a a series like this or any series, at the end of the series, we we try to elevate the need for application. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at many shocking statements of Jesus about marriage or parenting, about taxes or, or faith or compassion. And all these are areas in our life that are opportunities for us to die, to say, God, I've come to the end of myself, the end of my rope in my schoolwork or in my job or in my parenting or with my siblings. I've come to the end of myself and my faith. And I need you to come and revive my soul. I'm dying inside. 
I know it's hard to let go of control. I, I know it's hard to admit there are areas in our lives that are dead. I know, I know we don't want to lose control. We don't want to die. Most of us have a hard time letting go. And most of us don't really live because we're afraid of death. And Jesus invites all of us to come and die because he didn't just die so we wouldn't have to die. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to be afraid of death so that we could look in the areas of our lives and our family and our relationships and our own hearts, the areas that we know that are sucking our lives and just admitting that and talking about that and bringing that to God and say, God, heal me, make me whole so that I can live. What area in your life is killing you? Maybe it's your marriage. What areas in your life need to die? Maybe it's your relationship with your siblings or maybe it's your finances or maybe it's your future. What area in your life needs to die daily so that you can live? As the band comes up, I just want to remind you of Ezekiel's vision. Maybe you remember the song or the story of those dry bones. That Ezekiel, God placed Ezekiel in a valley full of dry bones The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. He brought him back and forth by the Spirit of the Lord to the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones, those dry bones, those bones. And Ezekiel is asked by God, can these bones live? There was death everywhere. Dry bones, piles of bones. And God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can I take what is dead in your life? in your family, in your community, and bring it back to life. And Ezekiel answers, only you know, God. Only you know if you can take that which is dead in my life and bring it back to life. And God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones, speak to these dead dry bones and say to them, I'll make breath into you and you'll come to life. I'll attach attendance on you, make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put my breath in you and you will come to life and then you'll know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel did what God commanded him and as he was prophesying, there was a noise and a rattling sound and bones were coming together, bone to bone and tendons and flesh and skin. Stuff was happening but there was no breath. There was no life. And then God said, these words to Ezekiel. Prophesy to the breath, to the spirit, the ruach. And this is what you say. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain. Speak to the spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit and say, come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe your life into me. Because if you don't come, There's no life. I'm just dead, dry bones. So I prophesied, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood on their feet as an army. Where are you dead? What area in your life needs renewal? And are you willing to let go of the rope? 
Are you willing to admit there's a place in your life that needs to die and willing to pray? Come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe your life into me. Because if you don't come, there is no life. Jesus did not die just so that we wouldn't have to die. Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to be afraid of death, so that we could talk about the areas in our life that are dead, so that we can look inside and see them and confess them and ask God to resurrect those areas so that we might live. Because the doorway to life is death. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. Unless a kernel of wheat dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it grows and produces life everywhere it goes. This is the beginning of Holy Week. And Holy Week is a time in preparation for Good Friday where we reflect upon the death of Jesus only to come to Easter Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection. And during this week, this is a time traditionally where we look at our lives and say, where are the areas in my life that need to die? And that's the question that I would like you to think about today and in preparation for Good Friday. What are the areas in my life? Maybe what is the one area in my life that must die today? Because most of us love invitations to parties or homes or weddings, but this is an invitation to a funeral. And this is the invitation of Jesus to come and die. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can reflect upon the shocking invitation of Jesus. It's an invitation that is quite uncomfortable, one that we don't like to talk or think about very often. But in this moment, at this time, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would come from the four winds and open up our eyes to the areas in our life that must die so that we can live. Come, O breath of God, I pray. In Jesus' name.